I'm Wilhelmina Shrimpton, and from News Hub, this is The Pivot, a series of stories about sudden change and new beginnings, all in the time of COVID. We're at the bottom of Shakespeare Road. This particular site had things that never worked. There was a sunglass shop, and then there was a pop-up shop for some gifts and trinkets. People ask us if we're a pop-up shop, and I say, only if it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Most of us never imagined we'd be grounded. No more overseas holidays, weekends in Sydney, or winter escapes to the tropics. As COVID-19 spread throughout the world, all of a sudden countries were closed for business. Borders were shut down and the tourism industry with it. Our wings were well and truly clipped. And while for most of us it just meant the end of overseas travel, for others it meant the end of their career. The AM show understands as many as 900, yes 900 Air New Zealand cabin crew jobs have been axed in the last 24 hours. Thousands of Air New Zealand staff and tens of thousands more at airlines around the world were suddenly jobless. The skies were Mike Kitching's livelihood for 18 years, working his way up to senior cabin crew. After nine months of limited flying since New Zealand was plunged into lockdown last March, he finally lost his job in December. But now he's quite literally putting his career on ice. Pivoting his way into a new business venture by opening an ice cream shop called Scrunchy Miller's on Auckland's North Shore. And hopefully he's going to tell us how he did it and maybe give us a taste test while we're at it. Everything's expectation based and I didn't think fig and ginger would be my cup of tea but I love it. And the apple crumble. So you're going to taste some apple crumble. It really does taste like an apple crumble. (laughs) Who would have thought? (laughs) They named it correctly. So, why ice cream? Uh, The crappy year that it was last year that people just need ice cream. (laughs) People need (laughs) happiness. New Zealand has started the mass redundancy process as the full extent of the damage caused to the company becomes clear. In a letter to staff, CEO... The kind of process that you went through was a bit of a strange one because obviously we were plunged into lockdown in March, most flights were stopped, borders were closed, but you continued to fly on a limited schedule for nine months and you would have watched probably, I'm assuming, your colleagues one by one probably lose their position. Was that something that you experienced? And not only being worried about your own job every single day, but watching your friends go through something that you were terrified of experiencing yourself. Um, Gee, well, actually hearing that made me emotional to to go back to that time a year ago when the world was ramping up to um, a change that we never knew would happen. And it felt last year that I was losing my job the whole year (laughs) with certain things. But yeah, I was comfortable in my role as a flight attendant. I have four young children, um, wonderful wife, and I thought I was pretty set for the, that career. I was halfway through. This is great. Uh, I was good at it. I, I loved it. It was fantastic. Um, I guess I always had a fear that the rug would be pulled out from under me one day. Um, what's it like going to work every day and kind of wondering what's around the corner? You know, it, there were question marks over jobs everywhere in every industry. How hard is it kind of slapping on a smile? It was very interesting. Um, 
well, you just got to get on getting on and be a professional and as I say, the, be proud of what you do, take every precaution. Um, and you could see the pain on the manager's faces delivering bad news and you feel sorry for them too. No one, no one asked for this, you know. Yeah, it was, there were like two big exoduses almost, March, April, and then another one in December. Um, and yeah, uh, awful. <laughs> Great people. And, uh, but honestly, to try and get by, you'd try to just have tunnel vision to an extent. Otherwise, it could, yeah, <laughs> affect you even more so at work. And that's where I was struggling the most, the uncertainty. Could I lose my job? More Air New Zealand cabin crew have today officially been made redundant. It comes as international flights continue to suffer the ongoing effects of COVID-19 outbreaks around the world. Take me back to the day that you did find out that your role would be ending. I think it was like a, a live stream and it was confirmation of information that had been promulgated a week or two earlier about retaining only, I can't remember the number now, 300 odd staff. You had to have done 24 years service to keep your job. Um, I'd done 18. I was pretty broken that day. I, yeah, I wept. I was, I remember walking on the beach with the kids and I was a bit of a shell of myself for a while. And I know a lot of my colleagues were the same. What some of the other people that I've interviewed have said, it's you're, you're grieving something, you're grieving a job loss. That job never defined me. I was a flight attendant for 18 years but it shaped my life. I loved it and I was uh, on my way to getting quite sad about things. Yeah, I guess I'm one of a few people that didn't see this coming. Well that's the thing is I feel like a lot of people say, you know, this job doesn't define me, it, it doesn't sum up who I am, but it's a huge part of your life. You put your passion into it, your energy, your work, your time. Yeah, and all those relationships you built over that time too. And then The hard thing was waking up in the morning and just for a few seconds you'd think, Oh, let it all just be a dream. And then you realise it wasn't. <laughs> it's a disconnect between your brain and your heart because you can't accept your new reality. You know, you, you work hard, you do things to get to where you are in life and then to have such a paradigm shift, say, oh, that, where you are, that you're happy, that, no more, that's not for you. Um, and then to get into the day and it just, they felt like long days. And I wasn't very good being by myself. So you kind of mentioned just before that waking up in the morning, that was a really tough moment for you. And it's like when you grieve a loved one, you do wake up in the morning, there's that split second where you, you don't quite remember, and then it hits you. What I found helpful was, yeah, talking to my, my wife. Um, I don't think she realised completely <laughs> how much I was struggling. Um, and I called a counsellor when I needed it. And I was, at my worst, I had someone who had skills and tools just to help me breathe just to help me get through those days and to give me some pragmatic advice. And when I got the actual redundancy call two weeks later, you could opt out of it and get an email, but I wanted the call. That helped a lot in regards to moving on. Um, it was a tough day, <laughs> it was a tough day. But every day after that got a, a little bit better. Had you ever reached out for help like that before? And I know a lot of people will be in a similar situation where actually asking for help, even though we talk about mental health so much in this day and age, there's still some hesitation I find. Had you ever done anything like that before? Oh, I felt like everything had just been wiped out in 20 years and I was back to this place of struggling and feeling like a child almost and uh, the new counsellor said that's something that you need to connect with. You've got to talk about these things which no, no, hit them down, push them away. Like 
don't think about them hopefully they'll go away it makes me upset thinking about great friends who I haven't seen in a while and wanting to get in touch and say oh I'm struggling here but even that thought crossing my mind made me so upset because I didn't want to make my friend upset you know and oh it's just a job mate you know get another job but I think the thing I was grieving the most was the lifestyle and having time off when I was overseas to recover from the night flights coming back and then having my family time was amazing and I was always a dad at school at every event you know I timed it with my work trips away you know. Was there ever a moment where you sort of had a, a panic moment where you didn't know what to expect from your future were you worried about your kids and your wife and your house and you know all those things? Yeah I didn't have a worry in the world <laughs> and then I started worrying more than anyone in the world I guess <laughs> yeah um we didn't have a business model, we didn't do market validation or any of these things. We just, Milford doesn't have an ice cream shop. Let's open an ice cream shop in Milford. And the name, Scrunchy Millers, where did it come from? My wife Hayley, when she was six years old, her parents were restaurateurs, they wanted to open a new restaurant, and they said, what's a good name for a restaurant? Scrunchy Millers. That's not their surname. It's two <laughs> random English words. 30 years later, here's a shop. I guess it's better than calling it Yum or something. Um. They didn't go with Yum, but Mike and his wife still served up a delicious idea after they flippantly discussed opening an ice cream shop during a trip to Charlie's in Matakana. About a year ago anyway, we discovered um, Charlie's up at Matakana that we thought had the best ice cream in the world. And remember having gelato in Italy many years ago. Um, and then, yeah. One decision after another, we, uh, we opened an ice cream shop after what was a, in many ways a terrible year for many people, but at least focusing on something was positive. So you've only really had that summer period. How are you feeling moving into winter? Was there a different strategy around that? Yes, maybe we'll have to have another pivot. <laughs> <laughs> Hot chocolates. Let's see how we go, and we do get asked that question a lot. Um, but people often ask, and they're asking, oh, will you be open in winter? Because they want, a little bit of indulgence, a little treat. A Russian guy the other day said, we love ice cream in winter. <laughs> you be open. Okay, mate. <laughs> we'll see how it goes, but I'm not overly worried. <laughs> yes, I know it's seasonal. Uh, we get everyone that comes in that door is a business advisor. You're on the wrong side of the street. You're not close enough to the beach. But you do have to make decisions, and I've always been a, a sort of passive person. Um, I'm making all those mistakes, you know, and... We didn't have any goals just to stay in business, but it's going better than we expected or could have hoped for, um, which is wonderful, yeah. <laughs> How was it for you um, kind of dive into the deep end of something you'd sort of never really done before? As much as it's been a labour of love and so much support from family, still so worried about everything. I started going from worried about losing my job, losing my job, to worrying about <laughs> no one coming into my shop. <laughs> Um, so I've looked at your social media as well and it's been really cool looking at the process of fitting out the store and, and what you kind of did and what you put into it. How quickly did you actually turn it around to set it up? It, I looked at the photos of before we brought in the things that we brought in and it's so sad. It's so sad. It was just a derelict space so we've got a few little features. Um, my brother-in-law Blair, uh, he's a sparky, <laughs> an electrician so he was so helpful. His wonderful wife Lydia, my sister-in-law, is in design, so even those photos of ice creams out there, she took those photos 
literally in the shop. That's my wife's hand holding an ice cream. Everything's actually kind of authentic. So there's a lot of, lot of love and a lot of thought that's gone into every detail. Yeah, well, I think there has to, be, has to be genuine and love. And I like to think even the product, Charlie's, you know, that strawberries from his farm. But yeah, we've been so well supported by the locals and other businesses, which I didn't expect. Uh, the guys next door, their little company, they do electronics repairs. So if it takes 10 minutes, they're like, oh, why don't you just pop next door and have an ice cream while you wait? <laughs> Which is fantastic. It's just a little ice cream shop, but any business person that comes in, they appreciate it. They know there's a lot more behind the scenes. You know, every, everyone's going through tough times and we all support each other. I say it to my nine-year-old daughter, but it, it's more than an ice cream shop, you know? It's, yeah, it's a little bit of community there. And the crux of this business is, yes, it's ice cream, but it's, it's a, a fantastic opportunity to engage with people. They all have a story. Um, oh, we had a lady the other day coming on her way home after delivering her first baby. She didn't go straight home. She came to this ice cream shop. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. I love all the stories. I saw yesterday you guys posted something on social media about that really kind customer who'd come in and just paid for you know, $150 worth of ice cream for whoever was coming in. That was amazing. I was uh, almost shaking when he did it. It was such a kind gesture. And uh, yeah, people loved it. <laughs> people were perplexed when I'd, they would usually pay. I'd say, it's actually free today. Somebody has prepaid for you. Great things can happen, you know. And they kept happening because Mike was so moved by the gesture that when the money ran out, he continued to serve up free scoops for the rest of the day. Opening Scrunchy Miller's has helped him to heal. It's brought his family closer. It's also brightened the lives of others who've been doing it tough as well. I love it when I'm outside about to come in and you hear someone go, yum! <laughs> you see that moment, especially if you put a few sprinkles on for a kid and see their face light up or do something super special for a nana. It, it doesn't take much and uh, no, one, no one leaves without a smile on their face. I had a ex-flight didn't come in here the other day and she'd been flying two years. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. She goes, how long were you flying? I go, 18. I goes, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I, well, no, I had 16 more years doing something that I really enjoyed. You were just at the start of it. Um, and now I see some come in now that I didn't know when I was at the airline, they were in a different aircraft type. And I like to think that we give them just a little bit of hope, you know, to just get out there and do something. How do your kids feel about owning an ice cream shop? I'm sure they're quite stoked. Oh, gutted. <laughs> <laughs> um, my kids are great marketers at school and kindy. And uh, yeah, they know what they like. Although to my daughter, Belle, there's only one flavour, dark chocolate. I don't know why I have 30 other flavours, but <laughs> she makes a good milkshake and that's great. And sometimes she's like our mascot and she's getting very good at her maths. $5.50 times table, I guess, <laughs> for a single scoop. <laughs> How are you feeling now about everything, about the future, about where you are in your career? I don't know, I, I just, we had a little mini lockdown recently and uh, it's the first lockdown I've had where I wasn't afraid of losing my job. I'm not firing myself anytime <laughs> soon. But yeah, um, I remember I broke a window, it cracked after I knew I was gonna lose my job. I wasn't emotional, I was just sort of uh, indifferent thinking, well, I guess I'll just always have a broken window. Well now I could, it's not a problem to pay for the broken window, but it's still broken. I haven't had time to fix it, I'm too busy. <laughs> nah, this is the right path. Um, I'm not fearful for the future at this stage. This COVID thing will play out. Might even get tourists in here one day, wouldn't that be great? <laughs>
<laughs> do you think you ever would have explored this had we not been plunged into lockdown and you were forced out of Air New Zealand? Definitely not. There's no way I would have done this but for losing my job um, under those circumstances. I won't be thankful for COVID ever, <laughs> um, but that situation happened and I guess serendipity. Everything's a pivot here. <laughs> if you've got a little business, you're pivoting all the time. I work many, many <laughs> more longer hours now and <laughs> every day. Last Sunday and Saturday, probably the busiest days I've ever had in my life, but I'm working for my family. Um, that feels good, yeah. That was Mike Kitchen's Pivot. For more inspiring stories like these, make sure you subscribe with Apple or Spotify. And for more, visit newshub.co.nz slash podcasts.